Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 60. I'm your host, Chris Morris. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out. Welcome in. We've made it. The 2022-2023 NHL season is officially over. I would like you to wake me up when September ends. I would play the song, but I also don't want to get DMCA'd on YouTube, so we're not going to do that. We have made it. The season is coming to an end. I feel sad because I don't know what to do with most of my time. I mean, sure, baseball is trying to keep you busy. There's a whole bunch of football talk and whatnot. Uh, I don't care for basketball, so it's fine. But no hockey just really, really makes it tough in my life. So we will go through the recap, a little bit of what happened during the towards the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? Shout out to the Vegas Golden Knights on winning their first Stanley Cup in franchise history. It only took them six years. They have done in six years what the Toronto Maple Leafs have been trying to do for the better part of 40. But congratulations to them and the way that they did it. This was this was a complete performance from a complete hockey team. Uh, shout out to obviously Jack Eichel for winning his first Stanley Cup and his first playoff appearance. One for one. My man is good. Phil Kessel's got three Stanley Cups as well. Good for him. Good for Aiden Hill. Uh, he was dynamite coming in for Laurent Brassois and just looked fantastic. He got a he was re-signed by Vegas as well. Two years, four and a half million dollars. Didn't think Vegas was gonna be able to afford him, but Great signing. Good for him. Also, shout out to the Florida Panthers. I know it finished not how they wanted it to, but my favorite part of when the playoffs ends is just hearing about the players and what they like the the stress that they put their body through. Right. Like hearing Aaron Eckblad had gone through like two separated shoulders and every other injury that you can think of. And he still played right. Radko Gudis, I think the high ankle sprain he had as well. Uh, Matthew Kachuk with the broken sternum still suits up for game four, basically needs his brother to help pull him out of bed and his teammates to help dress him. It's, it's a shame that that Florida went out the way that they did in that game, but they were just, they ran out of healthy bodies. And there's there's nothing you can do at that point. They didn't have the depth to keep up. It's unfortunate. Sergei Bobrovsky, I don't think it was his fault. I'm not going to blame him because there's there's only so much you can do as a goaltender, right? And if the team in front of you just can't keep up, I mean, what like what are you going to do? You know, so shout out to the Vegas Golden Knights for getting it done. And the Florida Panthers were putting on a show in the offseason. They reminded everybody that it doesn't matter where you finish. All that matters is getting into the playoffs and then believing in yourself that you can do it. So if if, if you learn anything from the Florida fan, Panthers, it is the you know all those key words that coaches love. Grit, determination, believe in yourself, execute. Don't listen to the outside noise. Good for them. And maybe, hey, maybe we see them in the playoffs next se- next season. Who knows? Maybe. I uh, just want to talk about that. Also, we did talk about it because I wasn't here, obviously. But shout out to Cole Caulfield. He got his new deal. Good for him. He's picking up a boatload of money, as he should. Right? Nothing, nothing wrong with 
Cole picking up the money that he has earned. I'm going to say that he's earned it. I know he's 22. I know some people want to say, oh, he's injury prone. Look, he he did the shoulder surgery because Montreal was going literally nowhere this year. Might as well get it done. Gives him an entire offseason now to train, come back, work hard. It improved Montreal's chances of finishing worse. So I think this is a bargain of a deal for a 22-year-old kid who can score goals. I love that. Same thing. Also love the signing of Sean Monaghan. He's 28 years old, and he's you get him under $2 million. I think Monaghan has something that he wants to prove. He wanted to be in Montreal. I want him to be in Montreal as well. He can definitely play the role of a third-line center and add a little bit of oomph to Montreal's game. He was he was very good when he played. He didn't play much, but he was very good, and he had 17 points in 25 games. Not bad. Not bad. When you consider his last year in Calgary, he had 23 points in 65 games. Right? He is not the player that he once was. He hasn't been healthy in a minute. But he was a key part of Montreal's power play, helping facilitate the puck. So I like this signing. I like what he brings. Absolutely no issue. And what a team-friendly deal. And you know what? If Montreal's nowhere near the playoffs again and they want to flip him at the trade deadline, you can. And you can get a solid return for a guy with a team-friendly deal, right? Which means you don't you don't necessarily have to retain money, but if you do, even better. Right, That opens it up for more teams that are really tight against the cap. So I love those two signings by Montreal Canes. Good for them. And just just great. Uh, one more before we get into the main topic here. Right, We're going to talk about the NHL and what they can't do correctly. Right, We're going to skip over the awards because everybody who won awards should have won awards. Not really shocked to see that Patrice Bergeron won a, you know, a Selkie trophy again. Not really surprised that Connor McDavid cleaned up as he should have. Uh, but the NHL announced as well that they are not going to allow teams anymore to do specialty jerseys, right? For any type of special. This includes Pride. This includes Cancer. This includes Military Night. Because the NHL is the only sport that has no idea how to market itself. That is what it is. I get, I get why they did... All of it, right? This was an all or nothing for the NHL. Do you imagine the backlash, right? If you came out and said, hey, no pride jerseys, but we'll allow everything else. Holy, right? Like, tell me you don't care without telling me you don't care kind of vibes. So they figured, hey, let's just ban everything, right? Let's just no more specialty jerseys. None, you know, not to mention a like without all the social stuff, we'll Cross that bridge there. But just from a monetary policy, like a monetary wise, this is a league that wants to make money and you can make money by selling those jerseys, right? Just the same way that every team has a reverse retro jersey and they've, you know, Vegas has a reverse retro jersey. They've been in the league six years. What what retro are we talking about, right? Like that. that's not, that's not, but you come out with it so you can sell it for 300 bucks and make some money because hockey related revenues are important. That's how players make you know, the salary cap goes up and blah, 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 blah. So it's good. You need them. And these specialty jerseys for all these causes are also important, not just for hockey to make money, right, for all these teams, but also for the causes that they stand for. Think about it. When you sell the, like, Hockey Fights Cancer jerseys, 
right? You auction them off, the game-worn ones, and people buy them. And a lot of teams take that money that they make, the proceeds, and they donate them to different causes, right? Same thing with military appreciation. Same thing with LGBTQ. Like, those are, those are important causes. Like, let alone reminding that, you know, when you do this, you reinforce that hockey is a safe space for people who identify with these different groups. It's important to remind this, but because of a couple of players who don't want to wear pride because all of a sudden they have religious beliefs and whatnot, well, now the NHL says we're just going to take all this away. This is the only major sport that's going to do it, right? You're going to have the NFL is still going to do their, their, stuff, their stuff with hockey fight, uh, sorry, with football and you know cancer and the cleats and whatnot. Baseball obviously does the same thing as well with everything that's you know pink. They still host, I mean, the Jays did pride month recently because june was pride month but nothing screams i don't get what i'm doing more than that and it's mind-boggling that a couple of bigots have ruined it not just for the lgbtq community but for every other community right they said well you can still host those like important nights you know where you know military appreciation and all that's so cool when is that going to stop too then? Right? Because now you take away, it, it starts with one, right? You take away the jersey and then you take away something else, right? It's one thing at a time. And I just think it is very, it's limited in your thinking to allow this to happen. Not just, like I said, from a money standpoint and the amount of money that these events bring in because it is important and Again, you know, raising social causes and putting a spotlight on it, even if it's for one night, it just it it identifies a cause and it brings awareness to it. And I am not against doing that for whatever it may be. Right. I think it is really important to do that, to bring awareness to different causes, to different things that people identify or go through. Right. Military appreciation night is important to remember the sacrifices that people go through to defend our freedoms. Right. I get to wake up and do what I do because somebody is going to war to defend, you know, Canada. The same thing for, you know, cancer awareness. There are people who are battling cancer who, through no fault of their own, have to go through extreme chemotherapy and change their lives. And this and not only theirs, but it affects everybody around them as well. Right. And the same thing with the LGBT community and all the hate that they have to deal with and the bigotry from all kinds of people and not feeling comfortable to be themselves. These are social causes that are important to identify and have light on. Just like for me, right? I've talked about it before, like mental health awareness. It's important. It's important to shed light on these causes. Do I think Bell Let's Talk is a little bit of a money grab, you know, money grab sometime? Sure, but I'd much rather spread awareness and put a light on it for a moment, knowing that it can help somebody. So as always, the NHL does takes a massive L because they are good at that. That no no league is better at taking an L than the NHL. That is for sure. So shame on them, Gary, and the rest of the tools uh, who run the NHL. It probably comes down from the owners uh, because Gary is just a puppet for the NHL, and it sucks to be them. Great. Now that we have gotten through all that, as always, make sure you follow me. On Twitter at FuzzyChris91. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Slapshot Podcast. Right? Make sure you go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Slapshot Pod. Hit the sub button, ring the bell while you're there. 
All right, drop a like. There you go. I know you just did it. Or hold on, I'll give you a moment to do it. There you go. Now I know you did. All right, let's get into what we're going to talk about. The NHL draft, depending on when you've listened to this, right? The draft may be, well, the draft's going to be over by the time you listen to this. But how far over is up to you to decide. You you obviously, because you have the notifications turned on and you listen to it immediately on your car ride home if you go to the office. I hear people still do that. Uh, or maybe you're just, you know, on the toilet in the morning, taking your morning release. You know, congratulations. Hope it's going well. And thank you for listening. But I talked about this on Better Hockey Now on the Better Sports Network. Obviously, uh, you should follow them, right? Better Sports Network on Twitter, right? Better Hockey Now as well. Myself, Anthony Rivera, Andrew Bernard, my two line mates there. We talked about the NHL draft and who I wanted to go fifth overall I had and I was very adamant about who I wanted to go fifth and it was Mitch Koff, right and I think a lot of Habs fans shared that sentiment that that was the best player available in hockey you draft for best player available I truly in football you draft based on need I believe that's the same thing uh maybe less in basketball. Again, I don't really care for it. Uh, baseball, I mean, who knows, right? But in hockey, it's the best player available. And that's why Connor Bedard went first overall. Um, shocking to see Leo Carlson go second ahead of Adam Fantilli. I don't think many of us had that. But again, elite players, really, really good. So at that point, it's preference. They're both centermen. It depends what you want. Fine, I can live with that. Will Smith going fourth. Cool. I wanted Mitchkoff, and my theory is simple, okay? When it comes to elite talent, and a lot of a lot of scouts said this. I, I don't think anybody had disagreed on this. He has talent, right? He is elite. They think he is the, outside of Bedard, he is the second best pure talented prospect. So there's one thing you cannot teach players, and that is pure talent skill. You cannot. You can teach players to be better defensively in their own zone. You can teach players to win face-offs and play a 200-foot game. And look, some players are just better at it than others, right? There's a reason Patrice Bergeron wins all his awards all the time. I get that. I understand that. I'm okay with that. But in the worlds of the Alexander Ovechkins, right? You don't get two of those. The same thing with Connor Bedard. You talk about a generational talent. You don't learn that. You can't teach it. You can't come to development camp and learn how to shoot the puck at an exceptionally elite level. You can't learn these things. So why am I not taking something that I cannot get through teaching? I get the KHL contract scares people. I get that. And to be honest, players born in Russia and coming over to North America has been a thing that's existed now for a long time. So this is not new, okay? Now, outside of Bedard, maybe Fantilli. No, I don't think so. I, I don't know if Fantilli's committed to Michigan again. Anyways, there are lots of players who are going to return to play their junior college hockey year, okay? So that's one year that you're not going to get them. So, and I talked about this, like I said, on Better Hockey Now. 
if it takes three years for a player to get to the NHL, that's fine, right? How long did it take Caulfield to get to, you know, to Montreal? About three years. Because if I'm not mistaken, he played two years at Wisconsin. And then, right, like he showed up kind of at, at like the end of the year for the playoffs and whatnot. But that is that is perfectly fine, okay? Perfectly fine. I'm not surprised that Arizona didn't take him at six because Arizona just doesn't want to win. They made picks, and I was like, man, I just, I mean, you guys, they A, they look like clowns all dressed in the same, right? And then they made picks, and I was like, okay, cool. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? Um, and the Philadelphia Flyers were like, hey, this we're going to draft skill because that's what they need. And the Flyers are in no rush to get better because they are a bad hockey team. So he fits within that. If I'm going to take a risk, I want it to be high risk, high reward. And I'm going to take absolutely nothing away from David Reinbacher. Okay. Which shout out to Carey Price. I know he's going to practice how to say Reinbacher. But he was the consensus number one defenseman in the draft, right? Nobody is going to take that away from him. Everybody knew that he was the best defenseman that could go off the board. He is a right shot defenseman. He's a big boy. All general managers get a stiffy for that, okay? It is hard to find right-handed shooting defensemen who are good. Is his offensive upside there? We're going to find out. But he's good defensively. He's good with his gaps. He probably plays another year somewhere. I don't know where he's going. I doubt he I doubt he plays for the Montreal Canadiens next season because Montreal doesn't need a defenseman. And that's, I think, where a lot of people are sticking. I get that he is the best defenseman available, but he was not the best player available. You have a ton of young players, specifically on the blue line, who can play, okay? Because Montreal numerous times suited up five rookies during the year. Now, there were injuries. Fine. But you're not going to win games with five rookies on the back end, right? Everybody knows that, right? You're just not going to do it, right? Arbor Jacki played a ton. Caden Gooley, Justin Barron, Jordan Harris, right? Jonathan Kovacevic. You had a ton of guys on the back end play a lot. And we're not even going to talk about players who can still come up and join this team, right? Matthias Norlander, Norlander, whatever you want to call him, right? A young defenseman who can still play. We all forgot about Logan Mayu. Like, what's going to happen with his situation? There are a lot of defensemen in your system who can play. So adding another one just seems like a waste. Now, everybody said that back in 2005 when Montreal drafted fifth overall and they drafted Carey Price. So, well, you don't need a goalie. You had one. If I'm not mistaken, I think Jose Theodore uh, or Chris Abalue were was the starting goalie. So you didn't really need one. Now, a goalie is different, obviously. Everything worked out well for Montreal then. But I wanted an offensive player to be able to join this team because you need guys who can find the back of the net. And right now, the Montreal Canadiens have one elite player, and his name is Cole Caulfield, who can put the puck in the net at a exceptionally high level. Montreal has not had an 80-point player. 80 points. It's not even a point per game. 80-point player since Alex Kovalev. 
So it's been a minute, right? And now you have a chance to add a generational talent player to your team. And you've chosen to go the safe route, right? David Reinbacher is a safe pick. That's what Montreal went. You know what his floor is. You know he's going to be good. And again, I'm going to take nothing away from this kid. He is good. He is he is the best defenseman that was available. He is good. He can become a top two pairing guy, right? He can be a guy who plays with Caden Gooley and logs 25 minutes a night and plays in all situations, which is not a problem. That's not a problem, okay? That is good. But I just feel like if you're a team that struggles to score goals and you don't have any of those elite offensive players, maybe adding one would be a good idea. Right? And I know, again, he's got a contract in the KHL. Man, contracts are like contracts are made to be broken. I'm not saying that's what would have happened, right? With St. Petersburg, where he plays. But contracts are made to be broken and things happen. That's just the way things go. And even if it took him three years to get here, the Montreal Canadiens are in no window to win today. None. They're in no window. And you still need somebody to play in the top six consistently. You do. You need that guy. And if you have a winger like Mitchkoff, then you can maybe move Kirby Doc to the middle where he, where he can play. And then all of a sudden, you got top two lines that are looking pretty. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. But instead, you went out, you added a defenseman to an already packed house of defensemen. So either you move somebody, which is going to need to happen, right? Joel Edmondson's coming up to the final year of his deal, right? He's a UFA next year. So who knows what we're going to, right? Who knows what we do there? David Savard's got two years left on his deal. So who knows what happens there? But you need some type of veteran presence on the blue line, right? You need it. It's it's just one of those things. So Mike Matheson is same thing. He's he's got three years left on his deal. So he could be assuming, let's say you don't, let's say you trade Edmondson at the deadline because you're not going to resign him. He's gonna, you know, gonder a ton of a ton of interest. The same thing with maybe less David Savard, but let's say you don't renew his deal. Right? So in two years, if you have no Edmondson and no Savard. All you have is one year left of Mike Matheson, who now is your veteran president. And then what? A ton of 23, 24-year-old kids playing hockey on the blue line? Yeah. You want to know who the third oldest player? Not Well, not, okay. I'm going to be mean here. I'm just going to disregard Chris Weidman. Okay, I'm sorry. All right? Chris Weidman is a pending UFA next season. I'm just going to disregard him, okay? It's nothing personal. It's just the way that it is, okay? Outside of, like... So David Savard is 32. Joel Edmondson is 30, right? Mike, Mike Matheson's 29, okay? So that, that's your, like, your three veterans, which even that, not very old. Jonathan Kovacevic is 25, right? So if Edmondson and Savard are gone, right, let's say in two years, Jonathan Kovacevic is 27. He's a veteran. He's barely played any hockey. And that's not, look, it's not his fault, Right? I'm not saying he's done anything wrong. It's just absolutely wild that that's how that went. Again, I'm going I'm going to repeat this a million times, okay? I'm going to take nothing away from David Reinbacher. He is 
the consensus top defenseman. Everybody knows this. Everybody agrees with this. But in in my mind, if you're not drafting Mitchkoff, it's because A, you don't think he has the skill, which is obviously not the case because the consensus is everybody knows it, or B, you truly believe that he cannot make it to North America, which is also, I don't think, a problem. You know he has the skill, right? Can't be option one. You know he's talented. So unless he did something in those meetings that didn't work out, right, with all those terrible questions, then I don't know, man. He is the best player, the second best player at that draft with the most skill. But all you had to do was wait three years and all these teams, right? All the teams before took players that they should have. Those were easy. The Adam Fantillis, the Leo Carlson's, the Will Smith. They're good players, and they're going to play probably sooner rather than later, and they can turn out to be elite players. This was a very deep draft. Everybody knows that. So teams said, well, I don't have to take that risk. But at the five hole where Montreal was, they had the chance for a home run swing, right, with a man on first, and instead they dropped a sack butt and said, we'll move the runner up. And I don't like that. I wanted them to take the best player available with the highest amount of skill level because we could be kicking ourselves in a few years if he turns out to be the exact player that he was. Even if he spends three years in the KHL, the KHL is a men's professional league, okay? So a lot of players go back to junior, go back to college, and I'm not, again, great for their development, yes, but the KHL to me is a step above the AHL. I would, I think everybody would agree with that, right? They are a step above. So he's playing with men and there are good players who play in the KHL. So he's going to get an opportunity to play with men. And if he can dominate, okay, dominates, maybe the wrong word. If he can excel at a high level in that league, why would he not excel at a high level in the NHL? That's kind of the point that is sticking with me. Even if he goes back, it doesn't matter. If I draft a player and he needs two years of seasoning in college or junior hockey, what's the difference? What is the difference? There are lots of players who commit to going back to college and in, in, in university and and play in the minor and play in junior hockey an extra two years. What's the difference with this kid? The only difference is he's Russian. And he's got a contract. All it means is that he's making money. That's it. To me, he is the best player outside of Bedard with pure skill that you cannot teach. And you could have had him and Caulfield on the same team, on the same power play. But you chose to go the route that was safer. Montreal could have taken a safe defenseman last year. Instead of Slavkovsky, they could have done that. I'm not saying not taking any away from Slavkovsky. We don't know yet. Give him an opportunity to become the player that everybody thinks he could become. But we all know that the skill in this draft was higher than any player taken in the last one. So you could have met that requirement of a safe defenseman last year and then taken a home run swing this draft. 
And Montreal chose not to do that. And again, taking nothing away from David Wright. Like, have I said that enough? I don't, I think people are disappointed, not by the player that was chosen, but by what the, the, what they had that they could have taken. I think that's the issue. Do I want Ryan Bacher to succeed? Of course I want him to succeed. I want him to be elite. I want him to turn out to be Victor Hedman or Rasmus Dahlin. But we know that for NHL defensemen, it takes a minute to get there. Right? Victor Hedman wasn't good in his first year. It took him a minute. Rasmus Dahlin, too. He, he, I mean, this was, I guess, if you want to quote it, his breakout season, if you want to go there. But it took him a moment to get to where he was. And it is perfectly normal for defensemen to need more time to get to where they need to be. It is. I mean, he Dalid, let's focus on Dalid here just quickly before we part, okay? He had 40 points in each of his first two years, right? 56 in 2021. Then 53 in 21, 22. Those are, those are good numbers, by the way, for a defenseman. Really good numbers. And then he had his breakout year this year with 73. So what? I would say it is, I would say what? It is, this is his fifth year, okay? This is his fifth year. In his fifth year is where he really excelled at an elite level. 53 points, very, very good. 40 and 44, extremely solid. Those are solid, solid numbers for a defenseman. But it took him till the fifth year to be really, really elite. I don't know if Ryan Bacher has that ceiling. I don't know. Right? I don't know yet. Some people think he could. Others don't think he can. And that's fine. If he's solid in his own zone, great. I'm happy for him. I want him to do well. The same thing. Let's turn to Victor Hedman. It took Victor Hedman a moment to get to where he was as well. In his first two years playing. Sorry, first four. 20 points in his first year. 26 the second. 23 in the third, 2013, 2012-2013, he had 20 points. He only played 44 games. So I'll give him a pass there. 2013-2014, he had his first 55-point season. So again, the fifth year is where he took off. Yeah, took off is a tough one. 38 points the next year. He only played 59 games. He had his first 70-plus point season, 2016-2017. Then he had other years where, you know, 50-some-odd, 60 points, which is elite for a defenseman. I, I don't want people to get confused. That's elite for a defenseman. But I just feel like passing up, you're passing up on Mitchkoff because you got to wait three years for him to show up in the league, right? Show up in the big show. You take a defenseman the same way with goalies. They take time to develop. It is hard to play in the NHL. It's even harder when you're a kid playing an important position. Okay. It is hard to be a defenseman because you want defensemen. It's not every defenseman that can be elite offensively and elite defensively. That is a tough task to ask. Okay. It is extremely tough. It is a tough position to learn. And we see that. We saw that with the Montreal Canadiens and all their rookies. Man, they looked bad sometimes. But it's hard to play the position in the NHL. Same thing for goalies. Remember when Carey Price was absolutely terrible for a couple of years before he became a future Hall of Famer? Yeah, 
it takes time for players to develop. So I I want Reinbacher to be good. I want him to be elite. I want him to put up numbers, 50, 60 plus points as a defenseman. I would love that. And I'm rooting for the kid. And I want him to do well. But if you ask me if I'm disappointed that they didn't take a purely talented kid who can score goals with men, yeah, I am. And that's the player I would have taken. That is the hill I would have died on because you cannot get that kind of skill. You can't teach it anywhere. Just like you can't teach Connor Bedard to to have that release that he does. He's been working on it since he was a kid and he's been doing it forever. You're not going to get to the big league and all of a sudden develop an NHL shot. Either you have it or you don't. So yeah, I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little irked. But hey, again, I'm rooting for If both players turn out to have great careers, wonderful. But if Mitch Koff ends up becoming a Hall of Famer, man, am I going to be mad. And again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I want Reinbacher. I want Reinbacher to be a Hall of Famer as well. But it's tough right now. It is tough. But again, support the kid. Don't make it tough on him. He's already coming to a really tough market. Support him. Want him to do well. Want him to exceed. You want him to be the guy. He's here. He's, again, top defenseman in the draft. You have him. Now he just has to deliver. And you got to give him every single tool and all the support so he can get there. Okay? Support him. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the podcast for today. As always, thank you so much for listening. I am going to go on hiatus for the summer. All right? I'm going to be back. Right? Just... I'm going to wake myself up before September, right? Probably the first first week of September, podcast will come back with a new full new season. It's going to change too. Podcast could be a little bit different. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but obviously you're going to be following at Slapshot Podcast on Twitter. You're going to be subbed to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Slapshot Pod. So you're going to be able to see all the changes that are coming. I got some big things that I want to do for the podcast in the upcoming year. Just got to get everything in order. Got to get everything rolling, everything rocking. But thank you, as always, to everybody who listens. Thank you for everybody who tunes in. Thank you for everybody who drops the likes and the and the follows and everything. It truly warms my heart to know that people take the time out of their day to listen to me spew hockey. It really does. It's mind-boggling every time. Obviously, for this season, we hit incredible numbers as well in downloads and everything, and it just it shocks me every time I hear it. So... As always, thank you. Enjoy your summer. Okay. We're going to go through free agency. Let's hope teams don't spend money on players that they shouldn't. And we will reconvene in September. It's going to be great. I love you all. All right. Have a fun summer. We'll talk to each other when the NHL season starts to get rolling again in September. Bye.